welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. And this week, I'm, I'm really excited to share this episode. Um, I'm excited every time he comes on the podcast. And really, every time I'm able to just hang hang with him in real life. We're going to reconnect with my best buddy, Travis Steffen. Um, if you've listened to the show for a while, uh, he's the guy who did the 50 miler with me last year in Monument Valley on zero training, uh, essentially zero training. I mean, he's an in shape guy, but he's not a huge runner and he was able to like just mind over matter his way through 50 miles. Um, and so he hasn't been on in a long time. Surprisingly, it's funny cause Travis is one of the people that I talk to every single week, but he hasn't really been on the show since well he was on a like a bigfoot or a bigfoot sightings too he was on that so i guess he hasn't been on the show for about 20 episodes or so but he hasn't really been on an official like full episode since episode number 32 and every time i sit down and talk to travis i just i never know what's going to come out of his mouth first of all and i never really know which direction the conversation is going to go into um this time i was definitely surprised that he went really deep and he was really open with um some self-discoveries he's made recently uh in fact right before we started recording we're just hanging out and we're talking and you know he was like okay man i want to talk about this This is the long conversation but I don't think it's something I really want to share on the podcast. And then as soon as we started getting into it, he's like, you know what? Screw it. Turn the podcast on. (laughs) And so he's very, um, very authentic. He doesn't hold a lot back here, um, about some self realizations he's had. Um, recently he's had the hardest event that he's ever gone through in his life um his mother passed away and uh she was like a second mother to me too um and i know the kind of pain i've been going through dealing with it and i just can't even imagine how that's exemplified thousands of times for travis so we touch on that a little bit here talk about it um really today's episode is a mindset episode travis has gone on many amazing adventures done some crazy sports athletic feats and endurance events we don't really we kind of touch on them a little bit uh, but mostly we're into to the mindset of someone who's successful and one thing i thought that he shares that is really interesting is how some ultimate epic fails that he's gone through in his career like completely like he's an entrepreneur and he's completely you know gone broke a a few times and how those events in his life have actually increased how successful he's able to be because the way travis puts it is if you shoot for the stars and you completely fail now you are you know and then you are realizing that you can pick yourself up and rebound from that failure and that it's not the end of the world. If you can do that, 
then you slowly lose that fear of failure, which is something I really connect to, um, especially as I'm approaching in. And guys, just to tell you, I want to do some shows in the future. I'm, I'm signed up for this stage race. I've talked about it in the last couple episodes. Uh, it's through the desert. Um, it's in June. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I'm terrified of with this race. And I definitely want to go into some of the details and, you know, I'm going to, I'm entering this race as the clueless guy, uh, as it, when it comes to stage races. And so you guys can follow the journey of me being clueless and hopefully slowly figuring some stuff out. So I have some episodes planned in the future where I'm going to talk to some stage race experts, some people who have survived them, the race director, ask all sorts of probably dumb questions, um, hopefully get some answers. But when I listen to Travis talk for this episode and he's talking about failure and he's talking about just if you fail so big and then realize that you can survive that, think about what you can reach for now. And so I'm connecting it to that stage race and I'm like, man, I'm going to go after it. Fear should not be, should not even come into my head now because at the end of the day, if I DNF and I don't, finish the race, then that's a learning experience. And I will know that I can handle that. And if I end up finishing the race, which is what I'm shooting for, think about how much adversity in my life I'm going to be able to handle because I'm going to be able to think back to that race and be like, well, if I can survive that and I can get through those dark moments in that event, surely I can apply this in my own life and surely I can get through whatever event I'm going through now. So I think this episode's really important when it comes to mindset, self-discovery. Um, there's also a lot to be said about taking that time and reflecting on your own life. In the previous episodes, Travis has talked about learn plus learn plus learn plus learn plus learn is less than learn plus implement. And so something I want you to take away from this episode is I want you to actually be able to take some time, sit with your thoughts, with your intentions, and learn from, from them. So actually take some time to implement some advice from Travis. All right, guys, let's get into it. If you like this episode, there's a few other episodes with Travis, so check those out. He is constantly fascinating. <laughs> He's an amazing guy, uh, fascinates me every single time, indescribable, can't even describe him. If you ask me to sum up Travis Stefan in a sentence, I would not be able to do that. Um, it would take books, maybe like, you remember how they used to have the old encyclopedias and you'd have to get like a bunch of them, I'm going to say 25, maybe 25, I don't know, this is showing my ignorance when it comes to encyclopedias, but Travis Stefan would take a whole entire uh set of encyclopedias to really explain and explore. So um, I'm glad I'm happy to share a little bit of that through this podcast um, because I love the guy and I hope you guys come away loving him too. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you like that, check out all of our episodes. You can find them all on iTunes or wherever you look for podcasts. Uh, leaving reviews is always a nice gesture. So that would be awesome. I would absolutely appreciate that it would bring a smile to my face it does some other stuff 
that helps the podcast but most importantly it would bring us it just makes me smile so that's awesome so yeah go ahead and do that um I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Just look up Like a Bigfoot. We have some really awesome guests lined up over the next few weeks. So it's going to be a really exciting March. All right, guys, let's get into it. This is Like a Bigfoot number 83 with Travis Steffen. All right, man, we're here with Travis Steffen, and we were just talking about um, a couple things, and he said he mentioned being introspective. Yeah. And we started, he started talking about, like, his previous careers. Yeah. And I'm the only person that maybe has ever seen him in an actual job. Yeah. Or is that offensive to entrepreneurs to say actual job? No. No, well, and I guess like the last couple of years, I've it's like my first one. You've kind right? of had it. You've worked for somebody else. Yeah, yeah, which is like really effing weird <laughs> because it hasn't happened since high school. Yeah, know? and I remember in high school you worked for Menards, which mm-hmm. is like for about uh, six hours. For about six hours, and I just happened to have gone into the store at the time, and you were behind the cashier. And you were maybe like three hours into your your time as a cashier at Menards. Yeah. And you're like, you had dead eyes, man. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> just like shark eyes, you know, where it's like, they're, they just look like glassy, black, like no expression. It looks like someone's like possessed. I was like, Travis, Travis, <laughs> are you okay? And you just, no emotions. Like, we're like, that'll be 25 Your God cents. is not here, priest. <laughs> But yeah, man. So let's talk about it, dude. You've you've never really had quote unquote a regular job where you're working for someone else. Mm-hmm. You've always been an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. You've always been self motivated, self driven. So yeah. yeah, what were you yeah. introspective about today? Well, I mean, just to kind of like provide a little context about that. Yeah, I think I had, I started my first company when I was 19 in college, and I had I couldn't have a job. I guess I had a job in high school for a little while at a furniture company uh, where it was just basically myself and one of my buddies just like moved furniture um, as like an addition to weightlifting for high school football. So that actually lasted for like a little while now and then. And it was like fine. Um, But since then, like when I, when I got to college, the NCAA doesn't allow student athletes to have a job. Like you, you just can't do it. I mean, you can in the summer, I never did in the summer because I was just like focused on training because I was already at like a really big disadvantage, athletically speaking. Um, but I did start playing online poker, um, and so I did. Thankfully, was able to to pay my rent and things like that, and then eventually like way more um, through that, and then started teaching mixed martial arts and fighting and all those things were like felt like you were self-employed yeah yeah and and so like i but i tried to have a couple other jobs before that i quit like the first day probably four or five different times <laughs> and it was just this conversation i had with myself which is like what am i doing where do i you know where do i like have um do i do i have some sort of ability to to 
learn from this person in some way? Do I want to be like this person? Why are they my boss? I'm smarter than this person. Blah, blah, blah. Just a lot of like stupid conversations a young kid will have with him, him or herself. Um, and whether or not that was true, it was just like what I believed at the time. And, um, you know, I just thought that I could do their job better than they could. And, and like based on nothing. Um, so like, I thought that like my folks were like, well, look, you're either going to be homeless or you need to start something of your own. Dude, we've always thought that. Yeah. Like Travis is going to either live in our basement or be ultra successful. And the funny part is I've basically done both. <laughs> like, like there have been times over the course of like my entrepreneurial journey where like I've put every single dollar I've had in the world on the line and lost it. And like that has not been a single occurrence like that. That's happened twice. Um, but the, like both of them have been the biggest blessings because you learn, I've, I learned my own capacity to achieve was so dramatically amplified as a result of those experiences, because now I wasn't afraid anymore of going broke. I could like, I could leverage a lot more of my own personal capital uh, early in a project, get it further before like seeking outside help if I even did need to. And, um, you know, thankfully I was able to put myself in a position to succeed eventually through that very painful, long, drawn out process of just learning and messing up and learning and messing up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was introspective to to loop back to well first before you loop back that was that was interesting because um it just reminds me i don't know it's snowing outside here so Mm -hmm. i'm thinking about like skiing and when you're a kid and you're about to go skiing for the first time you are terrified of falling down Mm. like you're like this is going to be horrible like it's going to be the worst thing in the world to fall down yeah and then as soon as you fall down once you're like all right, man, I'm good with falling down now. Yeah. I can handle this. I lived through it yep. and I can move on from there. And it's kind of the same idea. Like once you were, were willing to put your money on the line and lose it and you realize like it wasn't the end of the world. Right. That helped you push you forward. It's And there's another metaphor too where a lot of people, even adults, like they're afraid of doing a backflip. Oh, dude, that's me, man. Yeah, because you you're afraid of like falling and breaking your neck or something like that. So your body just 100%. won't even allow you to do it, even though you're 100% capable of doing it. But if you do it for the first time, yeah, then it's gone forever. Yeah. So it's like a, a just this weird metaphor for so many different areas of life. And it's so, it, it can be very difficult uh, or it has been very difficult for me to see and apply that lesson in other areas of life. Yeah. And I think that the funny thing about it is like it applies a lot in business, but it also applies like in your personal life, like relationships, relationships with like even like, you know, spirituality, uh, because it's all about like taking a risk and, and believing so much in something that you are willing to, um, suffer the consequences if it's not true. And then you're just confident that you'll figure it out afterwards. Just like a, a fierce self-sufficiency um, in that way that, that you know, has, it, it can lead a person to, if they're able to, I mean, and honestly, it doesn't take much. Like even if it's just, you take a small risk and it leads you to a, a slightly larger risk and it leads to slightly larger, you don't have to be like me where, it's a trial by fire in, in professional online poker where it's like, 
you're going from, you know, being a broke college student to mass multi-tabling 27 tables across two widescreen monitors. And like, you know, you're, your rent money, but also like you're losing or winning like a car every day effectively or, or like, you know, for a lot of the pros, it's like dramatically more like they'll have millions of dollars on the table in some yeah. of them and they'll lose or win, you know, several of those buy-ins on, on any session. Um, but they'll all believe in their ability to, if they were to go broke tomorrow to build up from nothing and, yeah, and come back. Um, so you don't have to be like the most insane risk taker of all time right is what you're saying but you but doing these small risks build up to you learning these lessons yeah so now well, i mean and, and inevitably and like to open up a loop that will close at the end of this podcast like the last whoa, three or four days <laughs> of my life um like two dramatic things have become so absurdly clear to me that basically tie together all of the varying the varying like seemingly incredibly diverse things that have happened to me in my life and they've tied them together so clearly and succinctly uh, and then we'll go we'll go into both of them this is why i love having you on the podcast because i was like i have no plans for right. any of this and then i'm just like you're like hold on let me just tell you that my world makes sense now yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's pretty shocking um how quickly it happened and to like set the stage even more. <laughs> so like if you listen to prior episodes, like I've had a seemingly very diverse career. Like I, I fought professionally in the States and in Thailand. I, 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 um, which I need to, we need to get into the Thailand story. We, we can get into to any Thailand stories that you want. There are several and some of them are rated various levels of parental guidance. <laughs> uh, but, but um, I've also, you know, talked, touched on professional poker, I've been, uh, I've, I'm an author, published author. I've written for some of the biggest magazines in the world, Time, Business Insider, Inc., Forbes, um, Fast Company, Fortune, Money, uh, Men's Health, Men's Fitness, Fitness Magazine, Shape. I'm like just going down the list. Uh, and of like, the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, but and, and podcasts too. I've been on all You've of the on business podcasts. podcasts. You had a couple of your own for a while. I did for a little while, yeah. I remember you interviewed me and I was like, very I nervous. I, I interviewed you, and then like I think the next, the next, inter, like the next interviewee after you was like Rashad Evans, who was like the UFC right? champion. Yeah, at the time. and I was like, <laughs> I had a belly full of Thai food, yeah. and I was trying to talk about being healthy, and I was yeah. like, I just ate so much <laughs> Thai food right now. It's not even like that was on my head the whole time. Yeah, but like you know, and and to continue the the journey, I've started probably several dozen companies at this point. I've sold seven of them. Um, you know, not all of them have been successful that I've started and, and sometimes they've been like profound failures. Uh, but like I've all, I mean, I've lived in so many different places in the country, in the world, um, you know, a couple of different places in Asia, here in the States, uh, you know, on, on, you know, several different places to, sum it all up like i've done a lot of weird things you know i've <laughs> oh, like, I know. with you we've talked about doing adventure races doing ultra marathons sometimes without training most of the times without training <laughs> um and like different other things that will i'm sure we'll touch on um but all of them on this podcast will tie into one another in some way shape or form Dude, and I i'll tell it. you why um so but but yeah i think um uh the biggest thing that we started the podcast with was like 
we we Chris arrived home. I'm actually staying playing Uncle Travis for a day or two, and um, for Chris's daughter's fourth fourth birthday, uh, for her unicorn birthday party. And he like just arrived home. I was just like working here for the last several hours. I was like, oh, how'd the day go? And I'm like, oh, it was good. It was very introspective. And, and I was like, well, let's not talk about that on the show. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's exactly that's, that's, what we Let's talk about, about it. Let's, and I'm like, all right, fine. Well, we're going we're gonna to go deep. Um, so I was very introspective today because so the last can, several days. Can I ahead. pause you for one mm-hmm. second? Okay. People need to know that you have a man bun right now. And oh, man. in my mind, I'm like, do man buns make people more introspective? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, there's I been a lot of self might. work since I've had long hair. Dude, I gotta say. I gotta say, I think there needs to be scientific studies on the correlation between man buns. I don't go out in public with the man bun. Can we just like put that out like right now and say, I don't go out in public with a man bun. It's something that I kind of like, you know, try on and chew it a little bit in the privacy of my own home or other people's homes and and it's like it's kind of just one of those things that like you get out of the shower you got wet hair and you're trying to like have calls and otherwise your hair is all in your face and it's really annoying so i'm like what can i'm gonna use one of chris's daughter's hair ties right now to like tie up my hair in the back and it just kind of happened um because usually i'll wear like a headband when i work out (laughs) (laughs) which is actually a a cut off t-shirt sleeve it really is yeah It, it actually is that and and um you know, I've I've taken a lot of shade for that over the years, but whatever. Like that's me. Who's giving you shit about that? Oh God, everybody. Every <laughs> one of my ex girlfriends have. Like they're like, oh man, you have such pretty hair. Why do you cover it with that stupid headband? And I'm like, <laughs> it just helps me. Like I don't know what to say. It Has just... anyone offered to buy you an actual headband? No. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, honestly, it's like it doesn't. The thing about the headband is like, I if I don't have it. I rain sweat at the gym. I I'm a, a I tropical rainforest. Because I was Travis and I were lifting partners in high school football, mm-hmm. and I can 100 like I would be doing bench press and mm-hmm. you would be spotting me, and I'm like, is it raining? Like, is it raining inside of the weight room somehow? Yeah. And then yeah, it one would be sweat off would my... drip into my mouth, and I'm like, oh <laughs> god. Yeah. So. I started wearing like these cut off t-shirt sleeve headbands because a couple of guys in, in college had long hair. And so they would just wear those and keep their hair out of their face when they're lifting or playing or whatever. And so I started doing that too, even though I didn't have long hair. And I found that like my skin cleared up because I had kind of like bad skin, younger, younger days, younger Travis had bad skin um, because I wasn't wiping my face and my sweat with like my grimy, dirty hands all the time. And I could just like focus a little bit better on what, and eventually it became almost like a little security blanket. So <laughs> I'll just wear it sometimes throughout the day. And, you know, it is part of my personal brand at this point, whatever. I, I got you, man. So getting back on topic, yep. you're introspective. Be, pro, maybe the, theory is maybe because of the man bun. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go with that. Okay, but So you're but, sitting around, you're hanging around my house and you're just thinking about, your life and yeah. you're a very introspective guy anyways like all jokes aside well i appreciate that i mean like i've definitely been doing a lot of deep self-work uh over the last couple of years more so than ever during the last couple months yeah. uh sharing something personal my you know within a series of a couple like a, a couple days you know my my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer just kind of out of the blue uh my girlfriend and i 
that were living together in San Francisco split up um, like a couple days later, um, you know, as a kind of like a big surprise to me at the time. Um, and then my mom passed uh, a couple weeks later uh, very suddenly. And then after that, like you have no choice but to be oh, introspective. A like, big life event like that is just throws such a wrench in your mm-hmm. plans. Well, I mean, and actually let me let me edit what I just said. Um, because a lot of people when they go through very difficult things will put a band-aid on and they'll yeah. throw themselves into work or, or they'll, throw, yeah. they'll throw themselves into something else, substances, and mask the pain. Mm-hmm. Like they'll they'll run from it. And they'll be like, I just want to feel something else other than this and I'll just deal with this other stuff later. And they'll set it aside. Yeah. And then what they'll inevitably find is they've never really dealt with it. Nope. And the and issues that, that they have, out. yeah, never. The issues they have will continue to exist. Uh, but I've not been like that before. I'm I'm more along the lines of, I'm going to feel every single thing. I'm going to journal about it. I'm going to like record myself talking to my phone and just allow myself to sort out my thoughts. I'm going to go through the process. I'm going to hibernate a little bit. I'm going to sit with this. And then little by little, like I'll reach this semblance of stability that I'll build off of. But after the fact, I'll be more complete man. Yeah. And... I'll have the context of like those those experiences of profound loss to help shape me into something that's that's more stable and more strong for the other people in my life, both now and and you know people in my life that I've yet to to meet or 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 deepen relationships with. So, um, yeah, man, that's very like that's very stoic of you. Thank you. It's like here's the here's the thing that I need to deal with, and I'm going to deal with it. I'm not yeah. going to avoid it. I'm not going to kind of like, like you said, put yeah. it aside. It's metaphorical if you can tie that to like a few of the past podcasts we've done that have been about the ultras where uh-huh. you basically just go into it expecting pain. Yeah. You know, and if you're, if you kind of go into it expecting pain and you form those expectations in advance, it's no surprise when it happens and you know that you've put yourself there because of what you'll get as a result of it. So, like, I think as human beings, oftentimes we'll run from pain, but we'll also like spout the the information where it's like, oh, you know, you only grow when you step out of your comfort zone. Like, who doesn't say that? Everyone says that. And I've how many people don't do it? So many times. So many people don't do it, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, like where they're like, life begins outside of your comfort zone. And those are the people that are in their comfort zone, like working their yeah. nine to five jobs that they're afraid to quit. Like in a relationship that they with someone that they don't get along with, yeah. um, and you know, living in a place that they don't enjoy or or in a body that they they they're not happy with, but they just continue to live the life that they have because they're afraid, and it's about that purposeful placement of your own self in a painful situation that's uncertain and scary, mm-hmm. that will then result in the 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 type of change that you're hoping for. And, and purposeful being the big idea there. Yeah. You're doing it. You know it's going to be uncomfortable. Anytime mm-hmm. there's change, it's going to be uncomfortable. And thankfully, I've got – I don't want to say all this with the, the intent to come across as this is easy. I've had oh, over a decade of training this mindset from all of the things that I mentioned with like putting my entire net worth on the line several yeah. times, losing it and building it back. Um, you know, and I'm sure this is 1 million times the hardest thing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like if I'm being honest, I think, and I'll tie back into why it, it, 
it both is and it isn't. Um, it's not the hardest thing yeah. because of all the prior experiences and because like I've known over the course of all of those that I'm training for yeah. something. Well, and we've talked quite a bit too and I'm, you know, without getting super personal, but you talk to your mom every single day on the phone. Every day, every and day so of my life. so your relationship was probably the best father, mother, or father, <laughs> the best mother-son relationship Oh yeah, that I've ever witnessed and I've ever been around. So she's one of my best friends, and honestly, like that dynamic hasn't changed. Like I still yeah. talk to her every day. Yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, her physical body is gone, and like there is a lot of loss there, and it is emotional. But thankfully, like un unlike many other people, I not only had a great relationship with her exactly around which I have no regrets whatsoever. Yeah. You know, we did talk every day, so I, I don't regret not having a closer, even though I was living a million places and she didn't always agree with what I was doing, we still talked about everything. Yeah. We talked about relationships, business. She didn't understand half the, the stuff that I did for a living. Yeah. Um, but still listened, you know, and was just like, cool, you know, whatever, <laughs> like whatever you're going to do. Um, but, you know, we, we, so we were profoundly close and I don't think that that, like I'm very blessed to have had that relationship for 30 years. And I think that that has served me so well and shaped me so well. Inevitably, everyone's going to lose their parents. It happens really early for some people. Yeah. happens way later for some people. Some people never even know their parents, you know? So I was gifted with 30 years with her. And I still thankfully have my, my dad, who I'm also very close with. Yeah. Uh, and now we, like, and I didn't necessarily talk to him every day, but we talked probably every couple days at least I would just like my mom would debrief him on our conversation that's the only reason sometimes we wouldn't talk but I would call at least him or her every day sometimes both yeah and now I talk to him every day right yeah. so not going too far down that rabbit hole but like it is uh, a metaphor for a lot of the the difficult experiences that I've had um, in the last several years have prepared me to be a, a stable man that's capable of dealing with this sort of thing without completely falling apart, um, which has been lovely. And I think that, um, you know, it also, like the biggest gift it could have given me is like an excuse to really focus in a life where I am so absurdly focused on other things and other people being a, a founder or leader or, you know, someone who still really taps into the physical and has to spend a pretty significant amount of time training. Um, someone who's very family oriented. A lot of my life is like taking care of other people mm -hmm. in a, a lot of ways. And in, in relationships, it's been a big pattern of mine in the past. Um, and that's also going to tie into something else that we were talking that we'll talk about. But, you know, like though all those situations kind of put me in a position where I was able to just like grow a little bit more from every single one of them. Um, so, yeah, and I don't, I don't know exactly where I was going with that. So it's like, <laughs> well, I wrote down something last week even where I was like, you know, even the moments that are just mild frustrations, mm -hmm. just keep me in the back of my mind, like, dealing with this mild frustration is training yeah. or dealing with something that's going to be so unexpected 
and that's going to be a major just disruption in my life yeah and so so yeah man but you were talking right before we started recording about the concept of just giving up control yeah so and that's why we started talking about menards (laughs) yeah so so um I mean, first and foremost, like, so that was one of two realizations I had over the weekend. Okay. Uh, the one that you just touched on was more today than over the weekend, but like part, partially from the weekend. I did this um, kind of like three-day intense seminar with a lot of very lovely people uh, that lovely. is about, it's about like, um, from an outward perspective, it's about being a better like on-camera talent or public speaker. But when you get in the room, the biggest message is this is not about technical instruction as much as it's about being authentic, like purposefully authentic, so deeply so that you might feel vulnerable at times and being comfortable enough with that authenticity to then tie into what you're really actually passionate about in in regards to the topic that you're speaking about so that you can translate that into the audience. Like you can, you can tran, like you can basically transfer your energy and your passion for what you're speaking about. And it's coming from such a real honest place that people who listen to it feel it or people who see you speaking feel it. And that becomes then the mark of a good public speaker, television host, actor, or entrepreneur, or someone who's like speaking in front of a teacher, anything, any, any environment where you're speaking in front of people and you need them to connect with you, teacher, perfect coach, Coach, anything. And, and we, we, we all play so many of those roles in our lives in a, in a varying roundabout way that that exercise was so intense over the, the couple days. And you really have to force yourself to surrender to the process. Um, and honestly, and I'll give them a little bit of a plug. The experience is called camera ready. And, um, you know, the whole thing is, is led by Caduce Philippi, who was, and his, his lovely wife to be Carmina. Um, both of them have been in television for many, many years. Caduce, for example, is one of the first MTV VJs. He's now hosted the Grammys for the last five years. He's like a very phenomenally successful television host, but he's also a big, and he's been a big mentor of mine. The, you know, for the last five years, um, just hopping on the phone and chatting about life and giving me a little bit of his wisdom that he's he's been able to grasp over several relationships, career decisions, etc. That I then could learn from. And when you, it, the biggest thing, like as an aside, it's so powerful when you have a mentor that is someone you profoundly respect. Because you'll basically just be like, okay, I'll just do anything you say. Like, just tell me, tell me the answer. Like, give me the answer. And like, oftentimes they'll they'll give you some shortcuts. And if you heard it from a friend or a, a family member or something like that, that you don't think necessarily has the context, maybe you don't follow that completely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if it's from somebody like that, you'll you'll basically just do what they tell you. So thankfully, because it was him that was leading it, I was able to deflate my own balloon of ego open myself up to the the experience surrender to whatever his teaching his teachings were and and pass that level of authenticity to the other attendees and because of that you know I forged a couple very deep and very profound connections from some of the other attendees um, you know many of, of whom that I, I hope to call 
you know, friends or and then some many years down the road. Well, it's so strange, like going through even just like a three day experience like that. Mm-hmm. But when you're being so incredibly open. Yeah. Just for three days, you're like, I feel like I just made lifelong friends. Yeah. And honestly, I've had a couple experiences like that with various entrepreneurial retreats because they'll, they like people know that if you're, if you open yourself up that much, you'll forge lifelong connections because in those, in that very short period of time, you know, those people so much more deeply than many people that have known them for years know them and you can feel it. So there is that they've seen another side of you that you've opened to them that you haven't necessarily opened to the people that you went to high school with or college with or that you work with for years or something like that or even family members who aren't super open to that um and and so one of the first big realizations one of the two um that will tie in a lot of the things that i've done is that you know if you look at a lot of my quote unquote resume, or if you Google me, it'll look very diverse. Um, it'll look like I've done a lot of different things that don't necessarily translate to each other. The one parallel between all of them is I really love attempting things that others think are impossible so that I can show them that it isn't. Yeah, And that message has become one of the most important parts of my identity as a man that I, I I don't know that I would do anything in the future that doesn't tap into that one thing. If you think about playing professional poker, or fighting in a cage, running an ultra, starting businesses, did, the 50 miler, the 50 no miler, on the no perfect training. representation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the reason that I'm about to go do these, these races and these summits that I'm about to do for, you know, this, this little docu-show I'm going to do over the next couple of years called High and Dry. It's like one man's quest to conquer the seven summits and ultras across the four major deserts. It's the same reason. Perfect name. Right? High and Dry? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Both on, literal and metaphorical. That. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, so, and that's one of the reasons why I'm doing that, the Gobi March later this year. Yeah. Is that's, that's part of the dry. That is part of the dry. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. So. Then you got to do Sky. Skydive. High sky and dry? High dry and sky? That doesn't sound as good. I've, I've <laughs> skydove? You've skydove. skydoved. I have sky, skydove before, <laughs> and it's very fun. I enjoy it. Anyway, sorry. Um, You're making a point, and I keep throwing you off. So so that one thing, and I was kind of trying to figure out, like, what is my – because part of the process over the weekend is to find what is your mission, what is your message, and then why should you be the messenger, Right? And like, why are you uniquely positioned to doing that? So like the mission basically is I want to attempt to do things that others perceive previously are impossible. The mission is to show them that it's not. And I'm the messenger because I've built over the course of all those experiences, such an immunity to, to risk that I'm now willing and okay with going first. Yeah. Through like building an immunity to money through poker and through business. Yeah. Uh, building an immunity to, you know, perceived lack of safety of like quitting a job or moving across the country on a whim or, anybody. or like going and doing a, a race or something like that. I won't be afraid of going first and trying and failing because I've, through exposure therapy, have have tried and failed several times. And, and, and because I've also done that, I've also succeeded. 
at some yeah. pretty crazy things. Yeah. So that that was the very first of the two realizations. Okay. That one I would say is more positive Uh-oh. than the second. Uh-oh. Right? <laughs> On the flip side, because we were talking about control a minute yeah. ago. On the flip side, I've also done things like I, I don't want to paint myself as some sort of superhero. I'm not. I'm a I'm like a, a person with flaws. And, you know, I've I've definitely made emotional decisions before. I've definitely um, been participatory in reasons why relationships in the past have not worked. Um, and I, I own my role in every fight and every everything like that, that that occur to try to figure out what I'm doing to contribute to that dynamic. But in many cases, I've thought that I've known, but I haven't really. And here's the f- most interesting thing that's happened. So over the course of the last couple of years, I've been working for a company. Um, and the first couple, of, so I was burned out of being a founder after my company before the current one that I'm at, that I'm now kind of like transitioning out of. And I, that was like, I was coming off a big win and then I had two big losses in a row and I was just burned out of being a founder. I'm like, I got to let go of the reins for a minute um, because I, I had this series of wins, you know, right in a row. And then I had two big losses right in a row where I like put my whole net worth on the line of something, sold it, started to use the capital to build something else, had the buyer renege on terms and not pay us the settlement. And I had already over leveraged that money. So it not only tanked that initial exit of that, of that company that I had sold, but, you know, and it was a very fraudulent move on their part, but they were like very savvy. I remember BS artists, right. To tie into like the outdoors part of the podcast, you and Calvin came out and we had like a, we had like man day and we went to like the Blue Ridge Mountains somewhere Mm -hmm. Uh, went for a really cool trail run, and then on the way back we stopped at this brewery, and Calvin and I went inside and I had a couple of beers, this. and we were just like, "Is Travis coming in?" Because you're like, "I gotta take this quick business call," and we just kept like peeking out the brewery, Dude. and you looked so mad inside of the car because I these guys were yeah. like basically screwing you over. Yeah, and there was like the way they did it; it was so astute and it was so well crafted that they painted me completely into a corner and there was nothing I could do yeah. except for like, accept, accept defeat. Which you did. I and I don't want to say position. like Travis wasn't like punching the ceiling or anything like, but you could tell by your face. Yeah. And it was like, it was such a great lesson. <laughs> you still handled yourself. Well. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it was, I was able to keep my composure, but it did. It set me back so significantly because we had already over leveraged so much of that capital to start this other company. And we had chosen not to raise money for this other company because I knew that that other money was coming in and we could wait. Yeah. So we made a lot of strategic decisions based around that situation that um, relied on that capital. And because it didn't come in, that company also failed. Yeah. So I had to take both of those losses in stride and say, all right, I've had these two big losses. They've taken me below zero significantly, like multiple six figures in the red. Like this is not an insignificant amount of debt. It is very difficult to be like half a million dollars in debt. You can't just get a loan for half a million dollars. I didn't have any collateral. 
at the time. I didn't have any, like I didn't own a home at the time or anything like that. I was a bootstrap founder with no experience raising capital. And we were only gonna do, go do it once we had like a big chunk of people in the door and, and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, we would have. Like there were a lot of great signs. Our hypotheses were correct. But the timing and the strategic decisions that I mistakenly made because I was, I, it was a, like, honestly, and I won't go into exactly why, but I could have avoided the situation had I made a few different decisions that are just such, that lesson is now so absurdly valuable based on what I'm do, doing today. I'm so glad it happened. Anyway, it led me into a, a job, my first ever job after high school. Yeah. Where you um, worked for somebody else, you have yeah. a boss. Yeah, but it was like it's still entrepreneur. It felt it felt like it because I was the first executive level hire, and yeah. I was one of the very first employees. Yeah. I, I basically would have been uh, employee number two in the company if I had like come on full time at the time, and I had just come on as a contractor. So I think I was like employee number three technically, based on when I full time accepted the role, um, something like that, and. Um, and, we, and at the time, we were still trying to salvage. My co-founder and I had like tried to, to salvage the old company while we were both consulting for this other one. Eventually, we are just like, you know what? Let's just burn the ships. Let's go try to, to make this work. And over the first couple of years, it felt like I was a founder. Yeah. The culture was a startup so that I, had, I was given a lot of responsibility um, and I felt like I was a founder. So it didn't have to be, it didn't feel like a job. It wasn't foreign. But then like we got to a point in the company where over the course of a, you know, a couple of years time, if things are going well, you start to hire more people and you bring on some specialists that do some of the things that I was doing as a very competent generalist. They could do that one thing very well. And little by little, my, my oversight was chipped away to the point where I was like, all right, I'm, I'm still leading a, a really solid team here. Um, but a lot of the things, you know, the dynamic of the company through my eyes and God bless everybody involved in the project still, like I love them all to death. Uh, but it just, it was no longer the kind of thing that I personally could continue to do long-term. From, from the perspective of your friend, mm -hmm. and this is what I love about you is it seemed like you kind of were like, okay, I kind of figured out how to do this job. Mm -hmm. Now I want to go learn something new. In a lot of ways, yeah, maybe that, that was, was the case. And um, you know, I hadn't really thought about that. I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit more. But, uh, um, but hey, tighten up. <laughs> <laughs> so that experience was really interesting to me because I got this specific feeling in my body when some of that control was transitioned to other people. And as a founder, I had never really experienced that before. Even when things were going poorly, I still knew, all right, if I am able to do X, Y, and Z, then there will be a specific result. So I just need to focus on figuring out how to do X, Y, and Z. And the only failure will come from, I didn't learn that effectively. It was all on me, yeah. you know? And that's something I'm really comfortable with. But in a position where you're not the ultimate decision maker, where you're not the CEO, and someone tells you, you're no longer going to do this thing anymore, we're bringing someone else in to take it off of your shoulders so you can focus on doing this other thing better, 
it's a different feeling than I've experienced because I've never been in that position before. So I got this very specific feeling like in my chest, in my belly. I got to be like, I got like very emotional about it and didn't really like it and eventually made some peace with it, but not until I started something else on the side and yeah. was able to recapture the control, yeah, yeah. right? In, in some aspect of my life knowing, okay, eventually I will transition from this job to being a founder again. And as soon as that happened, all of that weight went off my shoulders. Now I, I tell that story because in a lot of prior relationships that I had personal relationships, I've had a tendency to go very, very fast. Like I, if I'm, I, I'm not impressed easily by some of the, like the, the people I've dated, the women I've dated. But if I find a really great match, I'm both feet in. I'm like, let's do this. Let's make it official. Let's go really fast. Let's blah, 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 blah. And I'll go hard and fast. And I just thought for years, like that was just my personality. And that was like how I was in relationships. And it didn't go any further than, than that in my head. But in that moment, the feeling I got at work was so dramatically similar to some of the breakups I've had and some of the early relationships I've had where, you know, it's where most people would be more comfortable in the let's play it safe, let's wait and see, let's figure this out. I'm going to give some of the, you know, like we'll, we'll just figure out where all the chips fall. I'm not, I haven't been comfortable in that space because it's like uncertainty, lack of control. Mm -hmm. And it was such a, a, a similar feeling. And I hadn't connected the dots to the two because like when I had prior experiences like that, um, you know, you get through them. And then I had the work thing and I was in a relationship at the time that was great. It was like work separate from relationships, yeah. separate from athleticism. Yep. But really yep. when it boils down to it, the thing that's holding all these experiences together is, is that like you're the one going through them. You control, know? right? Yeah. So, and and so when let's fast forward to when my my mom got diagnosed with cancer, same feeling happened. Yeah. Suddenly, I'm not in control. It's completely uncertain. of the yeah. I'm not in control of the outcome. I don't know how it's going to go. So I've got this anxiety. My appetite my appetite is gone. I'm like waking up early in the morning. I don't know what's you know. I can't get back to things like that. And I'm like, what is this? Is this just the feeling of fear? Am I just afraid? Is she going to die? But at the same time, like, this is interesting because it feels really similar to these other things. A couple, <clears throat> a couple days later, my girlfriend at the time decided this relationship was no longer for her and she ended it. So that compounded, that feeling compounded and it became very intense and even the, through that, I was like, I was being very introspective and doing a lot of self-work to get myself through that situation. Still didn't connect the dots that all those were, were so similar. And then over the, over the course of a, like a couple months time, those feelings all alleviated. You know, you get through them. You know, I, I started a new company. I'm like phasing out slowly of the old one. And um, starting to figure out what's next and, and I'm now back in control. I'm the driver again, right? So that feeling was 100% gone. Now, suddenly, this is where it's interesting. <laughs> suddenly, I go to this seminar and uh -huh. I start connecting dots and I, I'm put in this place for three days of just deep self-work. 
which I don't usually allow because I'm so busy with other people's you stuff. Know, giant checklist, company, checklist, companies, etc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, everything. And I meet this woman who was just absolutely incredible. Like we connected on a, a really deep level. And then I left town and I suddenly have the, the feeling again. And I'm like, well, wait a second. This doesn't make sense because like I didn't just have a breakup. I didn't just have like this weird shit happen to me in a company. I didn't like, I didn't just have someone, you know, get diagnosed with cancer. Why is this happening? This should be a happy thing, right? I should be like on cloud nine, which I was like the prior day. Yesterday. Yeah, like, well, in, in the day before when I, oh, when yeah, I was I there, yeah. right? But suddenly I'm like, I'm, I'm slapped with this, with, with this feeling and I'm like, what is this? So I start like journaling and talking to myself as I do, right? <laughs> and and um, I start to kind of put the pieces together where I'm like, wow, I really need to drill in on my relationship with control. Yeah. Because it was the fact that suddenly this person who I connected with that I was like, look, if I'm going to be at some point in a relationship, this is the exact kind of person who is incredibly rare that I would want to like, cause I, my measure of wanting to be, you know, dating someone is, do I want to spend time away from these, all these other things in my life that I feel like are incredibly important, building a company, you know, doing all these things. Do I want to like spend time away from those with this other person? 99 times out of a hundred, the answer is no. And it's a very short lived thing, but there have been a couple situations in my life where it's been a very clear Hell yes. Yeah. So the bar is either no or hell yes. And if it's not hell yes, it's no. Isn't that, there's some famous speaker? Probably. I'm something. sure I'm stealing that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure I'm stealing that from somebody. So but like, I remember don't Calvin told me that too. Yeah. And I, I was trying to remember where he. I have no idea where it's from. But it makes but sense. Yeah. So, so I'm sitting there with this feeling and I'm like, it is because I'm not there. Yeah. And, and because I've had like a kind of love hate relationship with long distance kind of situations is the reason that like, because it's, it's a control thing, right? Like I'm not, and it's not that I, I want to be a controlling partner. I'm actually a very, very much the opposite. I'm like very supportive of whatever you want to do, go do it. But in a lot of the situations that have been successful for me, like I've been there long enough to cultivate enough knowing and trust between two people to know that you're on the same page. And there are so many open questions with something that was so new and so brief that I'm like, oh man, like whether or not this thing ever turns into anything, like I need to let go of my ability, of my like need to control the outcome and just trust that everything is going to be fine in whatever way that ends up being, right? Whether or not this person like tomorrow is like, I'm moving to Australia and like we're never gonna see like I have to become as certain as I have in business knowing if I tank this company tomorrow yeah and if I lose everything everything will I have the comfortability in that situation um, of like you know and I still have uh, a, I'm sure a relationship with control that might not be super healthy in the workplace, actually, this is my first company. This last one is my first company where 
I've basically gone to some of the early team members and been like, this is your domain. I will not infringe. I might disagree oh. with you. Yeah. I will not. You run it in the way that you think is best because I'm, I'm deeming you to be the expert over me. Yeah. And, you know, we'll have conversations, we'll communicate, but ultimately the, the decision is yours. Now, if we, you don't reach the, the benchmarks that I, or that we collectively as an organization need out of this role, then yeah, we have to go find somebody else. But like, we effectively have to come to this agreement where there's a system of checks and balances and in this realm, you're the boss. That's what the most successful people do. I, you know, I, and I think so. And it's something that most companies don't do. But I, I feel like I'm thinking about football coaches. Yeah. And oh, the yeah. football coaches who hire great assistants yep. and let the assistants do their jobs without really like, you know, yeah. intruding too much or, yep. yeah. Yeah, a thousand percent. Like that's a perfect example. Yeah. You know, if you think of Bill Belichick, for example, he has great assistants, and those great assistants always get poached for head coaching jobs because they're allowed to show to show their ability. Yeah, and he has trust in them. He has faith in exactly. them. exactly that they're going to do that. Now, here's my only question: as I'm trying to like connect these dots mm-hmm. here, you seem to be really okay, and maybe well, okay. I was gonna say you seem to be okay with uncertainty to an extent, where mm-hmm. you're you're starting this new company fresh. Mm-hmm. So it's uncertain what the future will be. Though in that case, I feel like you kind of know what to expect. Well, here's the difference. <laughs> where like if you're starting a new company and you yeah. don't know what's going to happen and that seems like a big risk, you can paint that as uncertainty in a specific way. But as the person that's in charge of it, you have a task list. And you oh, say okay. X plus Y plus Z yeah. equals A or like whatever that variable ends up being, right? So you know that this is 100% in your hands. Gotcha. And so it's, it comes back to control, right? In a relationship. It's much more complicated. Yeah. And, and what I started to realize was the reason I would go at such a fast pace in a lot of early relationships where I've known very clearly in my head, I'm like, yeah, this is a person that I would like to pursue something with. The reason that I've like pursued it very fast is because I selfishly wanted to reach a point where I personally felt like there was enough stability so that I could let go of the reins and not freak out. Yeah. Right. And in a lot of cases, like it acts counterintuitive to, to what you want. So you end up chasing someone away. Yeah. Cause the, the other person realizes that or feels that feels the pressure of you. Yeah. Exactly. And everyone's so different. And, and maybe like, maybe I'm still kind of a fast paced guy in a lot of areas of life. I think I, I imagine that to be, a part of my personality to an extent, but the recognition that some of it is driven from this place of fear or insecurity with with trusting that other people are also competent adult human beings with, you know, experiences that have crafted them into something, you know, that I hadn't had a whole lot of training in life to to learn that lesson. You know, because I have been 100% responsible for my own fate for for a long time. Um, So thankfully, the awareness around that and just like, even if it was just a couple hours and one or two conversations with people that I trust. I'm actually scared of going in my basement because I think you'll probably have like pictures and like strings (laughs) connecting them all. And in the middle, it just says... 
Control. control. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, like, I and, and it didn't take a whole lot. I, I honestly, it was just like you know a couple walks around the house. Yeah. And a conversation with my dad. It's all it takes and, sometimes, and, man. And just being like, oh shit, man, like you're totally right. And and um, that click, just that click, suddenly. I had a task list again where I'm like, oh, I just need to examine this, work on it, study it, figure out what so my relationship. you're controlling <laughs> your my, relationship with control. Dude, dude, I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but like I imagine it's kind of like the snake eating its tail, right? Uh-huh. So I know it's it's kind of paradoxical in that way. But knowing that there is an issue, as they say in like AA, the first step is admitting you mm-hmm. have a problem. Hey, man, just recognizing it. Yeah. Now if you're in a situation, you're like, I'm doing that thing Dude, that I it, do. Within like an hour's time, that weird tightness in my chest that I was feeling just it vanished. And the the because the there need. are things in life we have zero control over, man. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot. We and me and you, I feel like we're pretty good at controlling the things we do mm-hmm. like discipline and yeah. for the most part absolute discipline yeah. like like physically Physical professionally stuff, all that stuff like like and i'm that guy that'll all get up at like you know as soon as i get my bearings after a little round of travel i'll get up at like you know five in the morning and and oh, we be know. really stringent we, on it, you know? we know your morning routine yeah yeah so like <laughs> i'll i have that level of discipline where it's like x plus y plus z equals a, yeah. but so you have to realize there's so much in this world we don't have any control percent. man and as soon as you realize this and i'm going to give you my mantra it's been my mantra since high school and it will continue being my mantra yeah and it's from Jurassic Park okay <laughs> it's just life will find a way. Dude, you're right. Like it's as soon as you Jeff accept Goldblum. that, as soon as you accept that like if if stuff's bad now and like things are going south in a relationship yeah. or whatever, as soon as you accept like life will find yeah. a way. And you the, you instantly just like give a sigh of relief yeah. and you're able to relax and be like, "Okay, I'm in it and whatever's coming, yeah. I'm going to be able to handle it." But like I don't necessarily I don't need to change my behavior. Right to fix the situation. You know, and here was the unique thing because in most cases it like the feeling was sparked when things were going poorly. Yeah. yeah. Something happened negatively, of course. right? And it wasn't until like this time where it was suddenly like and now I can think back to like one or two other situations which were similar um you know connecting the dots but it wasn't until this time where it's like nothing's going bad. It's actually going great. That's like, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, it was me leaving the city and knowing that I'm going to be gone for a while. Yeah, significant. Um, and, and just wondering what's going to happen because it was just like very quick, like very, very positive, but I left. Right. And I, I had, I had to go for prior commitments and I like, of course you got, you got to go handle your business and, and do that sort of thing. But Logically, I know that like I would want a relationship that supports that level of mobility and there's enough trust in both parties to feel comfortable going somewhere and chasing their dreams for a little while, knowing that that thing is safe. Yeah. Now, I logically know that, 
right? Log- everyone logically everyone knows logically a lot of stuff. knows that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't until this situation where it was like, I have this feeling that I'm familiar with based on the most recent experiences that were very intense, and it's coming on the heels of something very positive that I'm really optimistic about. And it wasn't until that moment where I'm like, oh man, I need to really thoroughly examine my relationship with control and the impact it's having on several areas of my life right now. And thank God for that. Because like, had that series of events not transpired in the exact way that they had, in like good and bad, I don't know that I would have woken up. Maybe I would have someday woken up to that. Maybe. But, but like even if someone tells you like you're a control freak. You don't like, believe it I don't until believe you it. figure it out yourself. Until yes. you are in the basement and you're putting strings together <laughs> and you figure it out. Strings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like it's it's a hundred percent true. And just suddenly something clicks in your mind and you're like, Wow, like I I, I did not see it like that. So those two things very quickly, both like the reason why I've done everything I've done. And the reason, like, the, what the name What's of that feeling that I've had. Back yes. Which, but also in certain extents is making you successful. You know, and that's the funny part. And that's the part you have to figure out. Yeah, that's the funny part because in many cases it actually serves me. Yeah. Really, really, but really well. in other well. cases it doesn't. And, the, like, the, it's the balancing act and being able to access the two parts of, of myself as a man and like and know when the right time is to apply them and i'm i'm sure they're going to be challenging but the nice part is like now i can actually have a conversation about them with people in my life yeah. right the various people in my life where it might apply uh and just be like look here's something that i'm new to <laughs> I, and i'm i like i would love your help like figuring it out you know but like i just want to make you aware that this is this is part of me at yeah. this at this moment in time and and uh, i hope to grow as a result of it the problem is, man, like no one, not no one, I know for me personally, I'll go weeks or months without even having the opportunity to be introspective. Yeah. And I've actually found lately um, jumping in the pool and swimming laps yeah. for like 45 minutes is giving me that quiet time that I need. It's funny because you run like seven miles a day. Too. I do. But usually when I'm running, I'm, you know, listening, listening to music, to listening to podcasts yeah. or, you know. I do. I mean, I do allow myself to run in the quiet and like just think, but my thoughts uh-huh. are so sporadic then yeah. because I'm just letting them go basically. Right. So I haven't had time to really like be introspective. And I think a lot of people probably can relate yeah. to that idea with our phones and the internet and yeah. Netflix and all these things. And, and besides those things, cause those things always get the bad rap of distractions, uh-huh. but like, you have just life distractions like kids True. and you know uh, work and things that yeah. you're thinking about and, and even meditation because the whole practice of meditation is you want to clear as many thoughts out as you can yeah so you're not really have a quiet mind think like so you kind of have to like <laughs> like play the weird role of like saying okay well I also need this version of meditation in addition to that one which I know is helpful but I need this other version of meditation where I'm actually is, thinking about it, something I'm like purposefully like purposeful self examination yeah. And like I, I was forced to do it when my mom passed, and yeah. and you know, and I've, I've we've children. had those moments where yeah. people are forced to do mm-hmm. it, and and thankfully I was able to delegate and block off time, like schedule wise, to do it this past weekend. Yeah. So for three straight days with other people doing the same thing, and that's why it was so powerful. Yeah. Because everyone was like a 
successful professional person in some way, shape or form, you know, actor, entrepreneur, something like that, right? Um, and being around that environment, it build it, it like built on itself. Then like in the couple days to come, you're like, you're still kind of living on the heels of that experience where you're like, I'm still, the, the, that event is over, but my mental journey is continuing. Yeah. Which is the same as we both felt after Monument Valley yeah. last year. Yeah, thousand percent. Where, you know, I just remember it was like a whole week of processing things. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it's about applying the ideas mm-hmm. after because sometimes you come across these amazing Eureka moments and then you so for- true. You forget about applying them and yeah. a month later you're like going through the same problem that life is giving you as an opportunity to figure out figure out the solution you yeah know what i mean like do you ever do that like sometimes you go through the same stressful situations and it's just a repeated cycle and you're like why does it and you're thinking to yourself why does this keep happening to me yeah but really what it's what it basically is showing you is this is a lesson you need to learn and you haven't learned it yet yeah like i'm yeah. sorry life's like hey yeah. man i'm sorry you yeah. haven't learned this lesson yet so i'm just gonna keep throwing it at you totally totally well and as a listener like if you're out there listening to this, the I, I I hope it doesn't sound like just two dudes talking about their own lives because I think the the perfect tie-in is to ask yourself why you do some of the things, all of the things that you've done, the reason why you've done all of the things that you've done probably tie back into one short, concise thing. And what has kind of, I don't want to say held you back because it sounds kind of cliche, but what What's has something been, that's not serving you yeah. in certain areas of your life? Is it, are you like me? Do you have an, an interesting relationship with control? And I say interesting because it has not always been negative. In fact, in many cases, it's been profoundly positive, but in some cases it hasn't. And that's an area of my life where I've, you know, I, I've, I've really wanted to take time to focus on it recently. And it's, it's perfect timing to, come to that realization, um, you know, now with like a new door potentially cracked open, um, where in your life are you seeing that control might be something that you're either afraid of because, and I think most people are afraid of absolute control because you're afraid of failure, uh, or how many areas of life have you tried to you know, seek validation from, and you're trying to do things to get recognition or validation or, or like you're chasing some form of significance that in reality, all of these things are internal emotions that your brain controls with chemicals, just neurotransmitters give you these feelings of satisfaction. It doesn't require some external event or an amount of money or a promotion or a kiss on the cheek from a partner, um, you know, telling you that everything is going to be okay. We might want that and that's awesome, but you're the one that creates the emotions in your body and you should have at least some semblance of control over your clarity on what those are, where it's coming from and how you can grow into some new ones as a result of the experiences you've had. Yeah, man. You know what my other life mantra has been? What? From Jurassic Park also. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you, you don't know? Hold on to your butt. That's exactly <laughs> right, man. <laughs> do because I know you? When I'm in a situation and I'm like, this is going to be a difficult time in life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, life will find a way. Uh-huh. And for the time being, hold, hold on, on to your butt. butt. <laughs> <laughs> and it helps me out, as ridiculous as that sounds. Oh, no. Not and I don't know if I know any other quotes from Jurassic Park, even though I probably Yeah, do. I'm sure you recite the entire movie. Dinosaurs! Yeah, if you're forced to. Where's the goat? (laughs) How many can we come up with? Okay. um, When you gotta go, you gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I'm trying to think what other ones. Um, Um, I mean, there's welcome to to Jurassic Jurassic Park. Park. And then you see... (laughs) What's one from... From Newman. I mean, Newman's in oh, it, right? Oh, man. Yeah, but his... Oh. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, ah, uh, 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 You didn't, didn't say, say the magic, magic word. word. <laughs> uh, and, of course, uh-huh. Roar from a dinosaur. True. Yeah. Or or when the little kid wakes up after being shocked. Three. <laughs> <laughs> if you went up to somebody like, what movie, what quote is this movie from? Three. Three. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> like, this makes no sense. Um, I mean, I feel like we should talk about... Well, you know what? We got to wrap the podcast up, but we promised the last time, and you've been on a couple times since then. Yep. Um, uh, we promised the story of why you went to Thailand. Yeah, you know what? What we'll probably end up doing, I imagine, is over the next day or so, we'll put another one of these in the bank. And then when Chris oh, is playing a dad, that's a great idea. <laughs> when Chris is playing a dad, at some point, I will then be the one that's talking to all of you uh, as like a nice little A to B episode. An A to B episode? <laughs> yeah, like a filler episode. Oh, you know. Okay, we'll so here's what we should do. Here's it. what we're gonna do. We're gonna tell the story of why Travis went to Thailand, uh-huh. and it's pretty crazy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. One of the crazier experiences you've had. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we'll do it on the next Bigfoot sightings episode. And that's where we do like the short 20-minute segments. Mm. Uh, basically, like that's where we share like a story from a previous guest. And uh-huh. we put like three or four of them together. Interesting. And we Bigfoot sightings. Bigfoot sightings. You've been, you were on the last one. But that was a clip. That was a clip from a prior show, right? No. So oh, you, you, you were walking down the mean streets of San Francisco oh. and you dropped some knowledge oh. about... Uh, I didn't listen to this episode yet. I know. It's Bigfoot sightings number two. Oh, man. We haven't done number three yet. So we'll, okay. we'll put the Travis Thailand story on number three. Oh. But yeah, man. I you're like always it. a fascinating... Like, this is okay. So let me talk to you guys really quick. The audience people. Travis has been my best friend since probably like sophomore year of high school. And so that's what I don't know. How, how long ago was that? Uh, I think 2002, yeah. 2003. So it's like 16 years ago. 2002, probably. Yeah. So he's been my best friend for like 16 years. Mm-hmm. And he says shit on this podcast. And I'm like, I had no idea that about that. <laughs> like, what? So every time you hang out with Travis, mm-hmm. it's like peeling the layers off of this weird mm-hmm. man bunned up onion. Yep. You know? Yep. And he just he just says stuff and you're like, dude, what? Like, I didn't even know you did that or that's a thing <laughs> in your life. And I'm like your best friend and we talk probably a couple times a week. At, at least. least a couple times a week. Yeah. It's insane, dude. So yeah. thank you. My pleasure, man. Um, to conclude the trilogy, 
Have you watched City Slickers one and two yet? Well, I mean, yeah, like recently. You got me one. I got you both of them. You got me okay. You got me both of them. <laughs> um, to prove a point, uh, <laughs> I haven't. I have to come clean. I haven't seen them. I we you got them for me on DVD and like. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I have a DVD. My my computer doesn't even have a, like a CD drive anymore, so it's like it's this arcade. It's like you might as well gotten me eight tracks, but like I have to figure out a DVD situation and I'll pop in City Slickers and I'll watch it, or I'll just like stream it on Netflix or something and pretend. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ha- I still have to, but I am still very confident that City Slickers Two is superior in every meaningful way okay we won't relive this argument okay. again but just know that i vehemently <laughs> disagree i've i'll say this i've seen the first one much more recently than i've seen the second one uh-huh and i was just dramatically underwhelmed i was overwhelmed <laughs> i finished the first one after not having seen it for probably 15 mm-hmm. years and i was like oh my god I think this movie has accidentally shaped my life. You know what? I think City Slickers has accidentally shaped who I am as a as a grown man. You know what's funny? Because like, okay, there's somebody, and I'm not gonna name names of who it is, uh, but there's somebody um, in my life who, like, in the last three days, I've made like two separate references to City Slickers, two. That will hear this and know I haven't seen it recently and be like, what in the hell? Because I I, I used a line from City Slickers 1, which is one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? The, the classic. The classic yeah. one thing. Um, I used the crap out of that over this past weekend. and Did you also, try to take credit? No, 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 no. I, I, hey, credit, I gave credit where credit is due. that I invented. I gave, I gave credit where credit is due. I also described myself since both of my parents were from like my dad who grew up on a farm and my mom like was raised on like a ranch with like some horses and stuff like that, uh, but not necessarily a farm. And I was raised in town. So I like described myself as a city slicker. And then this person basically was like, you know that's like the second second reference to City Slickers you've made to me in less than twenty four hours. You must really love that movie. I'm like, oh, the second one is so much better. <laughs> Do you, I've implanted that in your head. Yeah, I know. Like City Slickers being an everyday reference to you. And then, yeah, I gotta say, like, I'm, I might be stubborn enough, to, like, after I see the second one, if I really hate it, to just like continue the argument. But I don't know. We'll see. Hey, I'll, make I'll try a pact right now. To I'll just try be to be honest. To your... I will try to be honest. Um. I was shocked though, man, because we plan mancation and yeah. like all these fun stuff where we go out with your buddies in the woods, and it's like my personal favorite things that I've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I realized that's all because in City Slickers, Billy Crystal is incredibly unhappy mm-hmm. with his life, and then his buddies take him out into the woods, basically, and they just have conversations man like that's the thing about city slickers i'm like they're just having conversations where they're like busting each other's balls and like figuring out shit about life yeah and i connect to that so much <laughs> is something wrong with me no I, I think it's, uh... <laughs> you're looking at me like i'm a... <laughs> like i'm crazy no you're good okay yeah. well anyways that was like a bigfoot podcast um 
Thank you, man. Love Thank it. You, love man. talking to you. Thank you. I love talking to you too. Okay, there's the show for this week. Um, I hope you guys took away a lot from Travis. I always do. Part of me wants to apologize for rehashing the debate between City Slickers 1 and City Slickers 2. But then another part of me wants to say, hey, man, that's an important debate to have. (laughs) Hopefully that, I mean, that actually probably, like my conversations with Travis, I'm guessing lets you kind of peek in to who I am also. Um, (laughs) So... So yeah, I promise I will try not to bring up City Slickers anymore on this podcast, but rewatch it. It's worth a rewatch. Pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to end this week's episode uh sharing a couple a couple quotes from a book I've been reading and this is funny because one of the previous guests Adam Casey suggested this book a long time ago. And I find I read like the first half and I was really enjoying it. And then for whatever reason, I do this a lot. If you look at my bookshelf, like three fourths of the books. No, not three fourths. One fourth of the books. Uh, I've read about, about, you know, part of. <laughs> I'm like partway through. I'm partway through like hundreds of books at this point. But uh, he suggested it's called The Tao of Pooh. Um, it's the, the uh, philosophy of Taoism using... Winnie the Pooh as the example uh, to dumb it down for brains like mine. Um, It's a great book. It's really excellent. There's some amazing advice in here. And I wrote down some of the quotes as I was on the exercise bike the other morning reading the book. So I want to share a couple with you. Uh, The first one that really connected to me is, is this one. It says, if we add up all the rewards in our lives, we won't have very much. But if we add up the spaces between the rewards, we'll come up with quite a bit. And so think about that. Think about what you're training for right now or, you know, the goal, big goal you and your family may have or like a big trip up on the horizons, right? Those are going to be great. Those are excellent. Those are always something I feel like we always need to have. I need to have them to keep my sanity. I need to have something I'm looking forward to in the future. But that's like 0.1% of our lives are those big moments, the big race, the big adventure, um, the big trip, the big moments that you are experiencing with your family. But all the other, all the rest of it, all the space between, that's really what adds up to, to your life. And so during those spaces, it's super important to find gratitude. It's super important to really appreciate that time because that's what really matters at the end of the day. And so the the last one here, um, just it's kind of this on a similar idea here. I think this was in the same chapter. Uh, It says, having goals causes us to go through the process, but it's not the goal that makes us wise. It's not the goal that makes us happy. It's the process. The process makes us wise, happy, or whatever. So the actual enjoyment of the process, of all those other moments that aren't the really big peaks, enjoyment of that is the secret. You need to actually be able to enjoy 
those blank moments between between the peaks. All right, guys. So I don't know how you can apply that to your life. <laughs> I just thought it was some great wisdom. Um, practice gratitude. Gratitude is so incredibly powerful. And so on that note, I'm super grateful that you made it an hour and 24 minutes into the podcast. And thank you for supporting the show. We're going to be coming back at you. March is going to be a very exciting month for the Like a Bigfoot podcast. So come on back and uh, we'll get at you next week. See ya.